What's going on, everybody? I want to welcome you guys to this very special episode of the Second Floor Podcast. My name is Vazan, and we're coming to you guys from my old school, McEwen University. I graduated back in 2016 with a BCom degree, but recently returned to campus to open an RBC on campus and lead the team here. We opened our doors along with this beautiful new building for the Students Association of McEwen University. Everything in here was largely built by the students and for the students. So our mission is completely focused on financial education, professional development, and overall student wellness. We truly, truly believe that preparing the youth of today for the jobs of tomorrow is crucial to everybody's long-term success. The future of work we've seen is changing so, so quickly, and we witnessed it firsthand during 2020. And young people are gonna be the key to helping us keep up with these changes. But it's also gonna be our duty to help them prepare for this unknown future. RBC has created a program called Future Launch to find a solution to this very problem that only 34% of employers believe that youth are actually ready for the workforce after graduation. Under Future Launch, we have numerous programs and resources to help youth gain new skills, grow their network, get more work experience, and enhance their overall mental well-being. So these are some of just the topics that we're going to be hitting on today. And I'm super excited to introduce our special guest for today's episode, someone I've looked up to as an incredible leader for many, many years now, RBC's Regional President of Alberta and Territories, Jeff Boyd. As Regional President, he leads a team of over 2,500 people in personal, small business, and commercial banking. He's been with RBC for over 25 years and has held many, many different roles within the bank. I'm super excited for you guys to meet him. Let's tune in. Well, Mr. Jeff Boyd, thank you so much for coming on to the Second Floor Podcast today. I personally just want to start off by, you know, taking the time to thank you and appreciating you for coming on to our show. As I sit here today, you know, it, I, I can't help but feel such a high level of nostalgia and, and be humbled to be in the RBC on campus in my very own university that I studied in. And to know that this is one of several on-campus RBC launches that have been planned by RBC across Canada makes me really happy to know, based off of the $500 million investment RBC has made in empowering the youth of today to find the jobs of tomorrow. And that is something that really was one of the biggest things that drew my attention towards recognizing how RBC is on the forefront of making a difference and investing in youth. And today we're going to talk about and hear from your perspective as, you know, the president of RBC in Alberta and territories, from your perspective, how the four pillars in which we're going to bring up today, how relevant they are to today's university students, to today's future leaders. And that's number one, gaining new skills. That's number two, growing your network. That's number three, 
gaining work experience. So many university students, which I speak with today, are struggling to find that in a new world we live in. And then lastly, gaining perspective from yourself on creating and making sure all that happens while investing in your mental well-being. And we're just going to start off chapter by chapter with chapter one being gaining work experience. And I just have a few questions to share. Uh, but before we ask, welcome aboard. And I want to leave it up to you to let us know, you know, what's the most exciting thing on your end, Jeff, about this project? And let's dive in and just all encompassing look at some of uh, the things you'd like to share right away. Right away. Yeah. Kenny, thanks for thanks for your curiosity and thanks for setting this up and congratulations on the work you've done. I, I think it's important and and uh, I know you've got a great audience and uh, I'm just humbled actually to be able to have a conversation with you today. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. No problem. Um, thank, no you, problem. Jeff. thank you, Jeff. And and to see you at the RBC on campus at McEwen uh, does my heart good. It, it it looks pretty good back there. I gotta say. I, yep. I, uh, yeah. We're really excited to be on campus and supporting uh, the university and more importantly, the student population. And um, it's a it's a pretty new endeavor um, and, and sort of entrepreneurial, quite honestly. Um, the idea being you talked about um, essentially what you're talking about is our future launch initiative, which is in support of youth and young people. And. Um, the objective of, of uh, as you outline uh, clearly, and and our being on campus just puts us that much closer to um, students and young people to be able to fulfill in that. And so, you know, it's a little it's a little different dynamic, um, but it is very much about providing solutions, advice, support to the student body population. You know, uh, faculty and staff as well. We're we are a bank. We're full service, and we're there. But um, it, yeah, it kind of a new en endeavor and, and delighted to have the Zen and uh, the manager there and his team uh, who, as I said, are, are blazing a new trail with this initiative and, and uh, taking all the creative juices that they've got and putting them in place to, to try and uh, do everything they can in support of students. Um, obviously a little bit quiet right now with COVID on the go, but um, you know, their mandate is to figure out how to leverage all the tools, virtual tools these days, as we're all doing, to deliver advice and value to uh, to anybody that's around there. Absolutely. And I, I mean, clearly in front of me with the camera equipment and the technology that RBC is using for this phone call goes to show that, you know, you, when the going gets tough, you're still willing to pivot. And, you know, I can't imagine how many changes on your end, Jeff, you and your team, or even personally, you've gone through in your career, being that we're in this state of change in our community and society today, I'm wondering what that conversation would look like if you are in front of your 18-year-old self today, what you would tell your, your, your young self then based off of the changes you've gone through now and what you know now from a career standpoint. You know, I think one of the things everybody's better to do these days, and it's easier said than done, um, just with COVID and the environment we're in, because it's so sort of all-encompassing, is to um, to not not think about what we've lost, 
but just try and think about, you know, what's ahead and what we're learning and how we put it into practice. And, you know, there's whether it's about operating virtually or digitally or, um, you know, there's been a hell of a lot of great resources put out there for people's mental wellness. It, I mean, that is a real issue for, for people in this environment, right? That sense of isolation or anxiety. Or, and, if, and if there's good that comes out of all of this, um, you know, an understanding, we, we knew that sort of one in five Canadians was affected by some level of, of mental uh, challenge, wellness concern. Um, but I think something like this has just brought it entirely out in the forefront for making it easy or easier or okay for people to talk about. And I think removing some of that stigma is is the single most important thing we can do when it comes to mental wellness. So I think the COVID situation has has kind of created that. And that's that's advice I, you know, if I was talking to my 18-year-old self, it's pretty darn good advice regardless of the circumstances. And it has a lot, I think, to do with a, a kind of a positive out, outlook or a growth mindset, they call it, right? Is is looking looking ahead, looking a, above the line and, and what the positive potential is, what you learn. I think the other thing, you know, my personal experience, I, I tell my 18-year-old self is don't be in such a hurry. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I, I worked every summer, you know, 70 hours a week, all summer long. I got my degree. I got out of school. My, and my mom, I remember my mom saying, well, what are you going to do now? You've been home for a week. <laughs> yeah. This is not normal. It's just too long. <laughs> right? And, uh, you're not, you're not thinking you're going to sit around the house, are you? And I went right to work. And, you know, I reflect back and I know, you know, friends and, and people in my circle that took the opportunity to go and travel or, or experience new things or, you know, whatever it was that kind of expanded their, their world and, and gave them different experiences and learning opportunities. And that's what I'd say to, to myself as I look back. You know, you never have regrets, or at least I try not to have regrets, but that would be one where I just say, you know, you don't have to rush into your first job as your career. You're going to be working for 40 years. Uh, you know, try and try and find those things where you where you learn and and uh, educate yourself beyond just the next job. I really like that, and I find with what you mentioned, Jeff, it encompasses balance to a degree of having balance mentally and physically, and recognizing that you know through progression you need to be aware of what balance you're still keeping. And, you know, what, what would have been then once you've actually, uh, of course, it seems you've recognized that, what were some of the routines or what were some of the things you, you must have indoctrinated for you to feel like you are continuously learning? Maybe it's not this big jump that you would have taken, but you recognize you're in a position where you're doing it for the sake of gaining experience and you know you need to do that at a certain time in your life. And why I share that, again, going back to our audience of young, driven, entrepreneurial students who feel like they need to step right into running their own business, you know, from your perspective of, hey, slow it down, go into this role for the purpose of learning something new. So from the routines you've indoctrinated and the steps you've taken, you know, how did that shape up to where you're at now with being able to confidently say, like, listen, don't press on the gas so hard where you're burning out you know, create that balance or just go back to recognizing why you're doing something. 
Yeah, and easy to maybe easy to say for you know from my chair um, as as versus you know some of the the young people coming out of school or just starting out in their careers or or their businesses and and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's an inherent trait in entrepreneurs. Um, and and I and I and I see it in people that I admire, um, and it's and it's a sense of curiosity, Kenny. Um, they just want to know. They just want to know, and so they're the ones that are asking the next question. They're asking why, and then they're asking why again and why again, and whether that's about how something works or, you know, you know why is it that way, and then, you know just because it's always been that way, should it be that way going forward? So so that. That sort of sense of curiosity and and whether that's, you know, I don't know if that's a discipline or a routine that that I've tried to entrench over time. I feel like I I come with a healthy dose of curiosity uh, generally, but um, I think one of the biggest compliments that you can get paid by someone when you're having a conversation is when they say that's a good question. Because I think it it demonstrates that you're listening, that you're understanding, and and that you're being curious about them. And and I find it's a good way to connect with people. And so I always, that's one discipline that I that I try when I'm when I'm connecting with somebody. I try and get them to say, <laughs> sounds kind of silly, but I try and get them to say, oh, that's a really good question. It's that's music to my ears. I, um, and I, then, I, I really sorry. Like, go I ahead. Really like that. Oh, I was going to share. It reminds me of being in so many of those situations in school, including university. I being a, one of them where you want to ask something, but you don't want to go back to feeling quote unquote stupid. And it's funny how we can use language, Jeff, where I've had professors even say it, yet I still felt the same where they would say, hey, listen, guys, no questions, a stupid question. But immediately you have that word in your head. When it's almost like from how you say it, there's something where you tap into a level of curiosity where you're going to gain even more depth of knowledge to whatever you're learning based off that element of curiosity. And it's like, if we flip that language to, hey, how about guys, whoever asks a question, or if you do have a question, it's gonna develop a bigger impact on your learning. You're gonna learn more effectively if you ask a question. Now, how many hands are gonna go up? Isn't that the truth? And what a good way to look at it. You know, conversely, I know of lots of situations and, you know, I hear it in, in, in my own family from my from my daughters. You know, they they get in a situation. Often it's with more senior people and they've got a view or it could be in a classroom setting with, you know, the, the prof or surrounded by other students. They've got a view and they're just reluctant to voice the view. And then all of a sudden somebody else says it and somebody says, that's a great point. And it's almost like, well, you know, why, why did you hold back? So, you know, that's, that has a lot to do with confidence, I think, for sure. Um, but there is that element of curiosity. And if, and if it was framed the way that you just framed it, I think that would help people voice that idea, that position. In other words, there's no, you know, there's no bad ideas here. And we're all going to learn from the ideas that, or the questions that get tabled. I, I, I agree with you. I think that's really good. I think the other sort of, if there was a discipline that I've tried to maintain is every, every so often, whether it's every year or every couple of years, it, it, life gets in the way sometimes. Um, I, I endeavor to um, get engaged in some kind of formal learning. 
So, so yeah. you know, it could be. Um, I, I, full disclosure, I, I took a bachelor of commerce degree, graduated, got working, like I said, pretty, pretty early after graduating, always thought I'd go back and do an MBA. Well, I never did, but what I did instead, um, maybe it was to make up, I don't know, but I, you know, if there was a Canadian banking association program, I got engaged in that. I finished that. And then, um, some executive education strat strategy, uh, you know, one week strategy course uh, that did that uh, Canadian securities course. So all of these things over time, I sort of tried to to line up and just I just thought of it as a way to exercise that that muscle and brain that you know you learn a lot by doing, but sometimes you learn a lot through the process of formal education too. So I I have made it a, a conscious effort to keep going back to stuff like that. Yeah, I, I love that you share that because that sort of goes into our gaining new skills conversation of the importance of why someone should adopt the element of continuous learning. And, you know, before we dive into that, I want to pick your brain, Jeff, about, you know, the element of when you're leading as large of a team as you do yourself. And we bring that back to, you know, building motivation and creating urgency for your team to get the job done. At face value on paper, you lead 2,500 employees at RBC, which is absolutely incredible. I don't know how you even have time for this conversation. <laughs> but I, I do understand from the hierarchical perspective of, of a corporate company, strategically, you know, you possibly have the, the five to 10 individuals who report under you and then under them is 15 to 20 and so on and so forth. Now, however way that's structured, Jeff, I, I'd love for you to uh, share with our audience a challenge you may have had where you did need to learn from experience in order to better adopt a better strategy going forward on how to create that urgency. And I'm wondering if you can share, you know, what that challenge was and then how you overcame that obstacle to go over it the second time and be like, you know what, had I not learned from that experience, and it could be personal or it could be professional, I wouldn't have handled it this way. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the challenges of a hierarchical organization almost always come back to communication and connection. Um, and as you think about, you know, the the layers that exist because of the hierarchy, um, you know, that game you played as a kid, the, the the broken telephone game and you started with a message here and it went all the way around the circle and came back as something completely different than it started with. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's what happens in organizations. And, you know, if you think you think you're just going to tell, as you said, your direct reports, this is this is what we got to do, gang. This is how, you know, let's agree how we're going to do it and, and march on. If, if you think that's going to you're going to rally the whole of the team to that end, you're you're mistaken because it's just not going to happen. And so, you know, you try and fail. And in my experience, I've, I've been at this kind of a role for about 10 years now and early days, you know, you, you get in the chair and you got your your team and you OK, let's we're going to strategize and we're going to agree and we're going to make it happen. And then you realize the it doesn't happen. The results don't happen. And and then what you you come to to recognize, and this this is my experience, is the more connectivity you have all the way through the organization. And it's not 
you know, it's not up and down, it's across, it's it's down to up. It's how how are you polling the teams? How are you listening? What's your listening post to understand what's what's happening? The the more you do of that and the stronger and better your communication skills are with people, the better you are to connect with people in a clear way, the better outcomes you're gonna get every time. And so that you know that that's that's my experience in a in a large company. But I, I, I bet you that probably has applications in just about every type of a organization or business across the board. Yeah, it certainly does. When when I put myself in the shoes of someone who almost is in the, I say this carefully when I say I'm in the middle, Jeff. In terms of, I lead a team under me at Good Life, and that's personal trainers. Yet I also respect and report to someone who's regionally my manager, and they're also leading, of course, their fitness managers, which is one of my roles. And if I noticed anything, based off of you talking about communication being very key, that is a big thing that we work off of. And I'll never forget what my regional said when he mentioned to me saying, Kenny, I want to, like, how you lead your team, you know, with a mix of your personality is how I'm leading you. And if you're telling your team everything in which I'm telling you based off of how things should operate, then we will be successful. And I find that taken a step further is when you feed your bottom line and when you connect with your bottom line, you mentioned connection, they are the ones making this organization successful. If, if every personal trainer, if every bank teller at RBC or whatever have you, you know, every Vizan branch manager decided to just not show up tomorrow, we would all be out of a job. You know, everyone in the organization from the bottom up would no longer be there. And, and I love how you share that telephone example, because if the communication isn't there, we're not playing that game anymore. And, and there's now no message that's being delivered. And I just already noticed through my, you know, adopted level of, of, small experience in management right now in my life, just how important communication really is. Yeah. Okay, here's something I'd leave you to, like, I don't, you talk, you talk about, you know, bottom and, and middle and top, and, and I really try, and, and I don't think in those terms. I think of we're, yeah. we're colleagues, we work together. Listen, it's a, it's, it, <laughs> It's a hierarchy, right? And and yeah, you know yeah. that's that's how that's how organizations are built. But that doesn't mean, as a leader, that's how you have to act, or that's how you have to represent. And yeah. you know, I think I think you have to. I think you have to be real. You have to be true to yourself. And and where I would tell you where. I see people have the least amount of leadership success is if they really lean into that hierarchy and say, okay, guys, um, you're, you're my boss, Kenny. And I walk into the team and I say, okay, guys, Kenny wants us to do this. And we're going to get this done because Kenny said it's important. I don't think, it, I don't think you're going to accomplish a whole heck of a lot based on a, a hierarchy approach that, that uses that, sort of command and control approach, not these days, at least, you know, maybe there was a day back, back some time ago, but in my experience that, um, 
and maybe you know that that's a demonstration of humility or authenticity i'm not sure but i but i really in my experience believe that's that's important for people definitely no i i absolutely agree when you can treat everyone on the same line and and, and breathe that into equality it goes a long way right is there something you could share what you've done in your experience as a leader where you you didn't make everyone feel like it's what Jeff wants to do. It's more so like, hey, like this is it created excitement around people just wanting to do it anyway. Well, I guess you, I guess you'd have to ask them, but you know, I think one of the things that the our organization has done really well is to represent a purpose for people. Um, and and you know, at, at our organization, that purpose is is voiced as um, helping clients thrive and communities prosper. And, you know, I think there's an acknowledgement that um, we're, as, as royal bankers, we're not solving world hunger. Don't get me wrong, right? It's not that high of, a, of an aspiration, uh, aspirational purpose. But when it comes to money and, and uh, finances, it's important that people sweat that. And, it, and it, they, they, you know, it's, it's critical. Some of the most in, uh, largest purchases people are ever going to make their home, for example, they're they're going to borrow money in the form of a mortgage, and and that comes with concern, right? And so they need that advice and and support. So, I I have frequently said to to people, we 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 do. I mean, we genuinely help clients thrive and communities prosper. And you have to believe that. You have to believe that when you get up in the morning, and 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 go to work because if if that's what that's what I think is the greatest motivation. There was a um, a book called Daniel Pink called Drive. It talked about intrinsic motivation, extrinsic motivation. Extrinsic motivation is money. Extrinsic motivation is Kenny said. Intrinsic motivation is I I believe this. It's important to me, and therefore I want to do it. And so you know I I think helping and supporting and showing people the purpose of why we're doing what we do and and then trying to attract people to to your team who share those values i i had said to my my daughters some time ago who who are now are 26 and 24 find a find an organization find a company that has values that you share because then you'll never yeah, be yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll never be at odds with who you are with what you do. And and so I think, I, I hope I'm not talking in, in theoretical terms here, Kenny, like, but this no, is no. this is real stuff that, that, we, that we do and experience every day. You're, you're touching upon a, an incredible subject associated, Jeff, with where do you want to work and why? You know, I remember not too long ago being a fourth year university grad student and all I'm thinking of is reputation, reputation, reputation. Oh, big company. Oh, that comes with reputation. You know, if I could go back 100%, I, I love how you mentioned where you need to match your set of values with the company's values and then know it's a good fit because that's the backbone. You know, you waking up every morning intrinsically remembering the mission of RBC and asking yourself if, hey, did, did we accomplish 1% of that today? That's a big win. And that matches your own personal mission because there, there's such a symbiotic fit there. And it, it makes me recognize how when you look at companies, that 
based off their mission, their vision, their philosophy should be something you're thinking about the entire time when you're searching for the right job or career rather. Yeah, I, I really believe that. You know, there's a lot of sort of corporate social responsibility work that's that's been done, and and the idea that you know, as a corporation, you're not just accountable to shareholders, you know, community employees. It's a it's a pretty balanced stakeholder. You talked about balance before, uh, scorecard, stakeholder scorecard. Um, and hey, listen, you you know, what you what you're passionate about or what you believe in doesn't, you know. It could be a lot of different things. It could be, I'm I'm really passionate about being surrounded by people who are are driven and and fast paced and and want to accomplish certain things. And and that's you know if if, if that lines up with who you are and why you want to get up in the morning, great. It doesn't always have to be about integrity and accountability and and those things. I personally yeah. think those are those are pretty foundational, but. But you take my point that it's really about what what values you uh, espouse and believe in. I, I love that we're on this topic right now because it's going to lead into the segue of concluding this first chapter on, of course, work experience. If I could put it this way, Jeff, your, your RBC on campus manager, Vizan, he, he planned a great set of questions here with the marketing team of RBC. And I'm, I'm sure they won't mind if I go off the playbook so to speak right now to ask you something on the personal front, because I personally experienced this. And I was in a job interview and this was for my very first position while I was in my last semester of university. It was for a very small startup company selling digital marketing ads. And I got asked this question. And it was funny when they, they told me the honest truth after I got hired for it uh, about how they felt where my answer was and, and, and how I'm still young and so on and so forth. And they asked me, Kenny, what's your intrinsic motivation? That's why, of course, I popped up when you, when you mentioned that. And, you know, I'm, I'm like 18, no, I'm like 22. First thing I could think of on, on my mind, Jeff, was, you know what? I just, I want to make sure I have enough money so I could just support myself and, and just I want, I want to show my parents how hard I'm working and uh, I want to be able to give some of that money to them. That, that's what makes me wake up every morning, right? So, you know, they, they, they sit down with me, of course, you know, two weeks into the job and I'm, I ask them, I'm like, hey, you mind telling me like how the interview went? Maybe like, I'm not saying I'm going anywhere, but what I could improve upon. And they're like, you know what, Kenny, we're willing to give you some good feedback. And they said, you know, we feel like one day your intrinsic motivation is going to change. You know, like with what you said, they're like, oh, it's, it's cute. <laughs> they said it's, it's nice, but you're going to have a deeper rooted purpose, you know, as you gain more experience. And I'm wondering for yourself now in your life, it'd be really neat to learn and know, you know, what's your intrinsic motivation and how does someone search for that intrinsic motivation? Well, listen, I think that that motivation it does change over time there's no doubt about it i mean how could it not right so so there's sort of the the foundational who you are and what your values are and do you line up with with that with that company or that organization without doubt yeah. for me personally uh, kenny i was you <laughs> yeah. i appreciate the honesty <laughs> 
if you if you asked me that question when I was you know 24 years old out of school, I'd say I want to make a whack of dough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to make a pile of cash for doing this four-year degree of business, right? <laughs> yeah, like I want to, you know, I want to work in business. I want to. It probably had a lot to do with you. You know, I want to keep learning. I want to develop. I want to. I want to keep um, advancing and and you know find more seniority. I, I wasn't probably geared for um, running my own business. I don't know why I, I say that. I, 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 but, you know, I kind of grew up around, actually, I, kinda, I grew up around RBC. Both my parents were RBCers. And, you know, sometimes you, you learn a lot at the kitchen table, right? So um, I didn't join RBC right out of school, but I had visions, I think, probably of corporate work, that that kind of thing. Um, and so I think my motivation at that point in time had everything to do with earning a, a, a wage, uh, continuing to learn, develop and grow, build skills and capabilities and, and go for the long term. Definitely. No, over time, over, over time, I, you know, you get in a different position, and and now I, yeah, you know, yeah. I I I volunteer, I sit on four boards, I volunteer for not for profit, those those kinds of things. So that so that, you know, that frankly, it, it has a lot to do with about ability to do that too, right? You you gain different abilities and capabilities at different points in your life and your career, and and that's a unique aspect too. And I look at it in this way, Jeff, where. As we progress in life, as we raise our daughters, our sons, we have a family, we have a wife, we have certain responsibilities that almost, in a sense, in our career and our life, they keep adding up. And I can't imagine how much that changes that level of motivation where there's, the whole, there's that saying of, oh, I got to wake up today, I got some fires to put out. And I don't know how much that, that, that sits with you and, and, and what helps you wake up at in the morning to get after your day. But like, what is your newly defined intrinsic motivation look like today? Today, my my motivation has a lot to do with those twenty five hundred people you talked about. Absolutely. And if if there's a you know if there's a pain point for me right now in in COVID, it's how it's affecting twenty five hundred people. And you know what what are what are the anxieties and the strains and the stresses that they're going through? Um, and and so. You know that very much. You know, you want to talk about a moment in time. That's a that's a that's a very critical motivation for me at this moment in time. We spent a lot of time thinking about how do we work, how do we operate, how do we how do we keep people safe, um, and and I suppose you know that that probably I'm sure without question goes beyond COVID and was there before COVID. That you know that care and and uh, sense of um, uh, responsibility and service to to the team has been a motivation for me for some time. And I find that so respectful of you to say, Jeff, because I find we're living in the toughest time now to really, we have to sit ourselves down. And I find for, especially at your level of leadership, where you could only go so far to resort to the case studies through your experience you've built in telling another individual who's on your team how you've done it before or what's been through your experience a, a win based off of whatever they're dealing with i know that's so much tougher now because we're in such a different landscape we're now in a, in a world where rules have changed the way we communicate with clients has changed 
there's so much change that we've been living in where I've already noticed certain leaders and, and mentors that have spoken with me where they're like, Kenny, I'm going to be honest with you. The situations you're in, 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 in your corporate setting and, and in leading your team, we just haven't experienced before. So let like, this is the one thing I appreciated is when my, my leaders just said, if you're going through it and you just need a set of years, no problem. Like we're, we're all going through something new. Pick up the phone and just talk to me. Let me know what's going on. I unfortunately may not have the right answer because I haven't gone through it, but at least I'll be able to know exactly what it looks like on the ground. So then I could then talk about any other changes we need to make on the fly. Because I personally, Jeff, have experienced some changes that were far too critical to the point where it made, it made trainers and it made staff go, why are we like, what's the point of even working here if we can't even, you know, sip water on the floor? Little things like that, where it's like, I can't imagine just how much toll that takes mentally for a leader when like you're trying to move the needle forward, yet also understand that this is a very new time for a lot of people in their jobs. Well, Kenny, listen, I, I hope you and I don't have a whole lot more global pandemics to weather through in our life, right? This is, this is, yeah, really, yeah. This is really new. But back to, you know, what, what are the things you learn from this environment that apply post, post-COVID? And, and similarly, I'd say, you know, I think there are lots of, lots of things that have happened over time that inform a really good path through what we're experiencing today. Um, you know, energy challenges, financial challenges of, of in Alberta from 2000, sort of 16, 17, um, a, lot of, a lot of the stuff that was going on was outside of people's control. So if there's a learning from that experience you apply here, you say, well, there's an awful lot that's out of your control right now. And how much time and energy and angst are you putting into the things that are outside your control versus yeah, concentrating yeah. on the things that are in your control? And you feel empowered with that. It gives you a better sense of calm in a pretty stormy environment. And maybe that's a that's a way forward. And then and then, you know, from a leadership standpoint, I, I think the fact is you don't have all the answers and you're going to make mistakes and, and being transparent about that with people and say, listen, we're just, we're trying to do the best that we can here with the, with the most information that we've got right now and know that, you know, it, it may not be perfect at this moment, but with your, with your feedback and, and, you know, your participation, we're, we're going to adjust and do everything we can to make sure we get to the right conclusion, whether that's about, you know, PPE, personal safety, you know, operating protocols, all of the things in a business that are the nuts and bolts of how the business works. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you sharing that because it reminds me of how much the KPI changes and how, you know, your key performance indicator is no longer potentially depending on the demand of how high it is compared to what you're able to give is if you were having, let's just use it example of a hundred people coming in the door every day. And now that's cut in half just based off of what's going on. Well, how realistic should the new goal be based off of, you know, the percentage of what you should be doing compared to last year. And it goes back to your point where it's like, okay, well, guess what? There's still 50 people coming into the door. Let's have extreme ownership on what we can control. 
you could keep thinking. It kind of goes back to that language we talked about early on, Jeff, where it's like, you could think all day about 50 less people coming in, but there's still 50 people. You know, when, when, you, when you, you, you ask Vizan, hey, was any foot traffic today? Well, hey, if one person came in, that's still one person's life that we're going to make a difference in based off of their financial goals and what we could do for them. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, listen, um, I said very early on to our team in, in COVID, our because we are a KPI-driven organization, we're a high-performing group of people. You you wanna you wanna, you know, Royal Bankers. You want something done. You tell them what 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 it is, and it gets it happens. You know, they will do yeah, everything they can to make it happen. They're they're really uh, uh, committed, in my experience. But early on, I I said to the team, our only measure of success right now is how many clients do we help, and how do we help each other. And yes, you're absolutely right. You know, it's a it's a perfect example. You know, 100 people coming into our branches became 50 people in a in a heartbeat. Um, but we've got ways to connect with other people, and so the the measure of success really became those check-ins with people to say, "How you doing personally, and how you doing financially?" Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it reminds me of when we were on a call with the, the CEO of Good Life. You know, the first thing he said, this was during, of course, the climate we're in. He said, listen, guys, before we get into clients, I want to know, what are you out of 10 today? <laughs> I just remember it kind of threw me off. I'm like, what does he mean? And it's like, oh, wait, snap out of it, Kenny. He means, how you doing? Like, out of 10. And it's just, I, I love that you share that because it, it's adding to the human factor of end of the day, guys, there's a job to do, but you're a human and I'm a human. We recognize there's been some changes and, and, and let's, let's talk about how we're feeling. It goes back to that mental aspect as well, right? And it, it leads me into the next chapter of our conversation, Jeff, where we want to find out how RBC has taken liberty in growing your network and, and how RBC is doing that, but also from your own perspective, Jeff, in growing your own network, the importance of seeking mentorship seeking connection with other people in this climate where sure enough it has to be done virtually uh in western canada as it stands what what would be some tips you have on someone searching for a job or simply just searching for connection with another business professional how should they do it and where should they be well i'd start can i'd say that your your personal network inside of your your work life and outside of your work life you, is is the most powerful tool that you'll ever have the ability to get things done through others hugely increases your effectiveness it, it and it's typically um you know we 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 have a circle of friends and and you know the kind of the older you get the either the smaller that becomes or the more cemented it becomes and in business circles you your 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 network tends to expand and particularly as you as you as your career gets longer and your seniority gets higher that becomes a little bit easier sometimes i i would i would suggest um let me put it this way um LinkedIn is an incredibly effective tool for for extending networks, and and you know there are I'm sure I'm I'm not the most uh, technically current individual, but I'm sure there's all kinds of those types of tools, particularly that some of your your audience knows about, and and I'd encourage you to to leverage. I I I get 
so many requests to connect on LinkedIn. And my personal approach is I'll extend my network as broadly as I as I can. I don't limit to people that I know or people that know someone I know. So I and I, not to I'm cut not you off, but I, I I just like to share that for those for those listening to this, Jeff and I haven't even met in person once. And the fact that based off connection and you being willing to meet virtually is a huge testament to that. So carry on, Jeff, but thank you. I want to recognize how honest and true that is. Um, the other thing I, I'd say for, so using those kinds of uh, tools, I think is really effective. Secondly, I, 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 and I have done this in the past, I would scan the landscape for individuals who either have a skill set or are connected to a, a role or an organization that I have an interest in. And, uh, and I would pursue them. I would reach out to them. And I would do it on the basis of, hey, you're doing some interesting things. I would just really be interested in finding out more. The worst thing they can do is say no. There's an organization called 10,000 Coffees. It's, 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 a, it, it's a connector, essentially. People that have that sort of an interest connected to other people through that um, organization. I, I personally have very rarely have ever said no to somebody for a cup of coffee to, to if, if they approach it to say, hey, I'm I'm interested in banking. I'm interested in X, Y or Z. I understand that you're involved and and may I, you know, may I invest some time with you? Um, and I think most people will be open to that. So but doing it in a sort of a strategic targeted way, right? And, yes. and so that yeah. idea of people with a skill set or, or accomplishments that you have an interest in or organizations that they're working with that, that you want maybe want to get involved in or emulate. This is something that I thank my university education for because there, it was down to a science of how to professionally reach out to someone whom you wish to connect with. What, what would be, I, I kind of have two parts to this. I find it's something that you could share and you could start with either one there, Jeff, where you personally reached out to someone for mentorship or guidance, and it did lead to a big opportunity, kind of like a big win where based off connection and networking, it helped serve you. And also let's flip it, that one inbox you got or that one in particular message, it was just the way it was worded. It was the delivery of that person wanting to connect with you where you're like, you know what, this person's first on my list to grab a coffee with. So I'll start with the I'll start with the second one. So, um, a young person reached out to me who uh, was used to be in uh, uh, Kingston and was now relocating to uh, Calgary. had had done their um, uh, education in geology and and in around that. Um, reached out to me and and said, uh, uh, I've written a paper. On, on energy and some of the changes that are going on in energy. And I was wondering if, if you would be interested and have some time to discuss, review, and um, give me some feedback. I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was brilliant. Clearly, they were, you know, they they were interested and engaged in the energy energy sector. They were most interested in a, you know, probably an analyst capital markets kind of role, which I I don't have responsibility for our capital markets business. I look after our retail commercial businesses, and um, I was only too happy because I also thought I was going to learn something based on on the paper that the the young person had written, 
And so had it and and through that conversation, understood what their capabilities were, what their interests were, and made a connection for them into our capital markets group. So they wow. mission accomplished for them and, and good outcome for me too. It's very outside the box. I really like that. It's not, hey, Jeff, I want to connect with you because I'm looking for a job. <laughs> I find that's, that's a very important statement that we need to make here because that's, I find, what a lot of people do. They're like, I'm just going to cut to it. I'm going to go straight to the point, and I'm just going to tell them I want a job. <laughs> it just becomes ingenuous. It's like someone saying, hey, I'm going on this date so I can see if I want to marry you. <laughs> Well, I hope no. I don't think they wanted to marry me, but they—they. They, uh, <laughs> I, I agree. I thought you know that may very well have been the intent, but but I thought it was a very um, astute approach and a, and a way to to proceed. In my in my personal experience, it it went something like this. I I joined the bank. I've been in the bank for a few years. I was in the commercial side of the bank, and I looked around and I and I said, uh, well that. You know that retail side of the bank, Bazan and his team, and the and the yeah. uh, branch behind you, um, huge part of the organization, uh, and I don't know anything about it. Um, but you know, if I'm going to be around this organization for a while, it's something I should learn about, and and that I want to know more about. So, through somebody I know, I connected with one of the leaders in the retail side of the bank and just said exactly that. I put up my hand and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm really interested. I'm, I think I might want to pursue that as an opportunity, but I really would like to learn more. And they were only too happy to have a cup of coffee, tell me about their background, their experience, and then connect me so that in, in our company, we call them job shadows. You, you can go and invest some time, a couple hours or a couple days, whatever it is that you want or need, and understand a lot more about that part of the organization. <clears throat> you imagine we're a pretty big company with a lot of different arms. So frequently, I mean, I think there's probably things in the bank I don't even know what they do uh, to this day. Yeah. So, you know, creating that kind of an environment and that it's okay, that's what you want to, you want to job shadow and see how things work. And then uh, once I did that, I said, yeah, it looks pretty interesting. And, and again, raised my voice and said, hey, I've invested time. I've educated myself a little bit. So I've demonstrated some sort of skin in the game on that. And, and then went and said uh, to my manager, my leader, uh, you know, if ever the opportunity comes up, I would be interested in in talking about that and pursuing it. And it wasn't long after that the opportunity came up and and I I made that switch in my in my uh career. I love how you took the time to see what something is like that felt slightly unforeign to you and you you got a taste of okay, well let's see for ourselves what it looks like before we decide to heavily invest our time and dollars into this. Well, I think that's responsible for, for me because I, God forbid, I got a job that I really didn't want to do or didn't like or didn't know enough about to know whether I wanted it or liked it. And I think it's responsible for the organization to know that they're they're getting somebody who understands what, what it is they're getting into. Absolutely. There's an element of mentorship and coaching involved with networking and, and seeking guidance, humbly seeking guidance, recognizing that even after a degree, it might just feel like it's your ticket to become successful. And we talked a lot about earlier on, hey, like, let's just 
find something worthwhile of experience. Let's gain that. Let's see some how, how we could become more professional in a setting in which we still need to be built up. Now, whether it's in that corporate setting or not, I just want to talk about the benefits of mentorship from your perspective, Jeff. And, you know, I'm in a stage in my life where I'll be very honest. I've never directly asked for mentorship. I have individuals who I can already think of at the top of my head that I consider mentors. They've been people in my life, Jeff, who naturally have grown from initially being a friendship to then feeling like a brotherhood to then someone who I aspire as a mentor. I just would love a debatable topic around, you know, what, what do the formalities look like on your end of, of mentorship and, and what someone should say or do to create and foster that relationship of, of having a mentor. And I, I always look at it like it's so easy to determine the criteria of, okay, I have a family. I need to do this and this and this to know I'm there for them. Okay, I have a spouse. I have someone who I'm in a relationship with. Okay, here's my criteria of what a good relationship looks like. Okay, well now from a mentorship perspective, what does what does the criteria look like? And I, I just want to be very open around that discussion of like how you've benefited from a mentor or from you being someone's mentor. What is what did that look like as far as moving the needle forward in, in, in that person's life or even your life if you've had a mentor yourself? Okay, so just Here's how I think about it, though, Kenny. There's there's mentorship and there's sponsorship. Yes, sponsorship, you said. Sp sponsorship. So so okay. think about, like, the way, here's how I think about it. Um, a mentor, to your point, is somebody that um, uh, has a skill set that, that I admire, somebody maybe that I aspire to uh, a level of, of success that they've, that they've had or um a, a, a way that they have about them right so so there's those um sponsorship is somebody so in your experience at good good life who's the sponsor who you know when the time came time came is going to say oh you know that opportunity kenny's your guy kenny is the he you know his skill set his capabilities he is ready for that and and he's the one that you should uh, select for that. That may not be a mentor, but it, it it's somebody who should be there to stand up and say is supportive of, of you in that opportunity. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do see what you mean. It's almost like a glorified hype man. It's just somebody who they, <laughs> they would vouch for you. They know you have all of the qualities in which are needed to get to that next level right? It's a cliche saying we like to say on the podcast, but it's really just having that team or that someone who's seen you go through it. Yep. And I think that's the point. I think they, they have experienced it and they can speak uh, strongly with con conviction that, that you, you can do that. Now, they may be a mentor, but they may not be a mentor. Now, the mentor is, as I said, somebody you aspire to, somebody who's got skills and capabilities and things that you that you aspire to um there's formal mentorship and large organizations often have formal mentorship and there's informal mentorship and i i may get in trouble for this if anybody from the bank listens kenny but i have rarely seen formal mentorship as effective as informal mentorship my 
you know, getting arbitrarily connected to an individual doesn't create the kind of connection and relationship that I think provides the most value in mentorship. I find the informal mentorships do, and they, they develop organically, and they happen over time. And here's the test of, of a quality mentorship relationship that I'd, I'd suggest, and the one that I've sought is, 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 you, is your mentor somebody who will, who's prepared to and will tell you something about you or what you've done that nobody else will? Will they have that yeah, degree yeah. of honesty in their feedback that nobody else would be comfortable or, or capable of providing. It's not always something positive and, and buzzy and what you want to hear. It, 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 when it's most effective, it's absolutely the opposite. It is. Because they're, they're the people that are going to, that are going to help you understand your gaps as much as your strengths. And, and you and I could have a debate or a discussion about, you know, in life, whether you should really lean into your strengths or you should spend your time trying to close your gaps. I think it has a lot to do with, with your personal makeup and, you know, where you get your energy. Um, and, you know, you, you could probably gather just from our short conversation, I'm, I, I try and take a balance on that and, and, you know, play to my strengths and then close my, my gaps at the same time. But I, you know, I think, um, if you can cultivate a relation, a mentorship relationship with someone that you could sit them down and say, hey, you know, I'm having some success, but but I think I can do more. What do you think I'm missing? You know, what is it that I'm that I'm not doing or that I'm doing today that I should be thinking about doing differently and give you that direct feedback? That's probably the most valuable resource that you can tap into in your personal network. Yeah, I find it's just being vulnerable enough to ask. And I, I love that you said that because it starts with the ask. I, I find we, we live in a world where we wait for someone to tell us something. Uh, sorry, by, by we, I mean, you know, not, not to put us in a box or anything. But for millennials, we're always kind of waiting, waiting for it to come to us. And then we wait and then we wait and then we wait. And then when it doesn't happen, we the self-talk that develops in our head is, oh, well, maybe it wasn't meant to be or, ah, oh, forget about it, you know? But it's like, okay, well, what did, what did we do or who did we ask for feedback to actually, to your point, close those gaps? I love that you said that because I've lived my life very much so on trying to push my strengths. And then it was only until I had to only work on my weakness from an athletic perspective, you know, because... To, to put it personally, Jeff, I remember my journey in wanting to become a mixed martial artist was halted at a point where I, I shattered my jaw on both sides of my face at 18 years old. And that level of adversity put me in a situation where I knew at that time while being in university, I couldn't actually physically fight for at least two years. I had to wait for it to fully heal. And I find why I wanna share this is because the gap that needed to be filled talking with my brother, he's like kind of a, a huge uh, level of uh, a mentor in my life and, 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 and people in my family, my coaches at the time, they said, well, Kenny, given the circumstances, what can you do? Martial arts related. And I said, okay, well, the only thing I could really do is jujitsu, but you guys know how I feel about jujitsu. At that time, 
It was the one thing I wasn't excited to go to. And they're like, okay, well, Kenny, I mean, this is, it's your weakness. It's something that you don't spend a lot of time on. Go ahead, give it a try, do it often, do it often enough until you can go back. And why I share this, Jeff, is because I fell in love with, at that time, what was my weakness. I now, to this day, I decided to completely just change my perspective around I can compete in jujitsu and not physically hurt myself as much as I would in MMA and still sit here with you and connect with you, create the podcast, uh, fulfill the entrepreneurial drive in myself with everything I'm doing fitness related. But I mentioned that because I, I love that you say when you fill in the gaps, you're giving yourself an opportunity to turn a weakness into a strength. And, you know, Kenny, you make a good, a really important point, which is to say when, when you're focused on your weakness, you're looking for constructive input. So if, if, you know, if you're operating on the basis that feedback is exclusively a pat on the back, you're probably not ever going to get too much better because you're going to keep doing the things that you've been doing. And, and you know, what's that saying? Um, Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Practice perfect, makes perfect. Right? Yeah. That's that's a mouthful. But um, my my point is, you know, you chose something that you really weren't that good at. I'm presuming that either through trial and error or through a coach, somebody said, "Well, here's what you're not. Here's what you could be doing better," and that was what allowed you to get better and 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 perform. If 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 we're operating on the basis that you know the only good feedback is positive feedback. I think we're missing we're missing out on on development opportunity. Yes, hundred percent. As we come to uh, towards the end here in our final ten minutes, Jeff, I, I wanted to explain, or sorry, ask you on that conversation around leadership and mentors. You know, on your personal side, who were some coaches or leaders that you've either personally aspired to be like, or you've personally actually had a relationship and connection with? You know, who were they and then what did they teach you as far as principles to this day you're carrying through and leading your team of 2,500 RBC employees? Uh, well, personally, you know, those, those mentors, um, I, I'd say were, were coaches, athletic coaches, probably, if I think about my background experience. And, um, you know, they were, they were the ones who... Um, helped me build up some skills and capabilities that helped me perform better in sport. I, and listen, I was not a professional athlete by any stretch, but I just, you know, I think you learn a lot from sport. I think you learn about dedication, determination, teamwork, um, and maybe most importantly, and the one that I, I think I, I learned through sport most critically is resiliency. It's this idea that that stuff's going to go wrong um, you know, you're going to miss that catch or that block or that tackle or, you know, that goal or whatever it is. And that's okay because the next shift comes along and you got to keep going and you got to get it, got to stay out there. And, and so I think those, you know, and that may sound a little bit cliche I'm sorry for that, but I, but I think that those coaches in sport, I really took a lot away from and, and helped me in, 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 in my professional career, I can think of, you know, one uh, individual specifically who who um, 
I mentioned about that idea that I, I put in my hand. And I said I'd, I'd be interested in learning a new part of the bank. Well, they were the person who actually tapped me on the shoulder at that point in time and said, "Yeah, okay, I know you want to. I want. I know you want to try this. I'm going to give you that opportunity." And then they stayed connected to me over time and and helped build my confidence and my capabilities. I can remember one time you talk about mentorship and and. Uh, feedback and, and uh, constructive feedback. I, I can remember to this day I was on, I'd just gotten a new job. It was actually my first executive role in the in the bank. And I got this new job and I was on a conference call. And this mentor was was on the call as well. And, and um, there was a number of people, it was very early days in my new job and the conversation was going around and I, and I jumped into the conversation and I started you know, well, you know what I'm hearing, what I think we should do, and this is what, and and my mentor. Um, in those days, we were on a telephone call, but we had our our email. She fired off an email to me, and the and the title of it was "Stop Talking Now." Oh, <laughs> no, no. The anxiety, the anxiety I would I feel. Would feel. <laughs> it was it was perfect. It was exactly what I needed because I was I was actually. You know, I was rambling. I was getting, I was getting ahead of myself. I was, you know, I was not contributing constructively to the conversation as I, as I should. And I was, I was taking on a role that, that, you know, wasn't mine to take at, at that point in time. And as I said to you, this was somebody who cared enough and, you know, felt connected enough to send me that insight and say, you're, you're doing yourself damage, just stop. And and it, it was great. It was great feedback. Yeah. Wow. It's it's so interesting how you put that and took it because I experienced something very similar in my first management position where you just want to take everything on. And I just remember I didn't get an email. I got a look because we were physically in a meeting. And the senior to me is like going like this. He's like shaking his head. He's like, what are you doing? Don't commit to that. And I learned soon after, if you want to call it office politics, the, the other team was trying, like from his perspective, he was saying, they know you're the new guy and they're just putting on what they're responsible for in your hands. So that he's like, he's like, we already have enough on our plate to zip it. So it, it, it's kind of funny how that works, but it sounds to me like your mentor was looking out for you. I, I'd like for us to go into the final chapter here, Jeff, as we close out. And I find it's certainly one of the most important and prevalent ones. You know, we talked about gaining new skills. We talked about gaining work experience. And we, we molded that together with um, ensuring that you, you, you gain an element of um, going into having uh, just a better understanding of connection. Now especially through season two of the podcast, we care a lot about mental well-being and, and health and fitness to a degree, which is what I'm involved in. And we like to say with our, with our newly shaped mission statement, we, we want to optimize and provide strategies um, around your health and your business beyond the nine to five grind. And I'd love for you to share what are some things you do as clearly a very handsome man and someone who takes after their health, you know, what do, what do you do to stay healthy uh, while, you know, you're still running a, a very successful business at RBC? You know, what are some things and, and how do you make time for your health? 
We'd love to hear it from your perspective. Well, like I, I, I said off the top, I'm still I'm, I'm still taken aback by you calling me handsome, Kenny. That's very nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. Well deserved. <laughs> I'm going to tell my my mom and my wife in that order. Yeah, <laughs> rub it in their face. So, so here's uh, I I still enjoy sport, right? Like I I my stress relief. I think everybody has to find that way to release the stress, and you know. These days, the stress is, is sky high. It's, it's unavoidable. Everybody feels it. So finding that mechanism to relieve, whether it's hobby, uh, in my case, sport um, or fitness, let's say. So, um, you know, good Edmonton company, I, uh, Orange Theory, a neighbor of yours not too far from where you're sitting right now. I, I participate in Orange Theory. Um, I got, I've got a Peloton. I ride the Peloton. I, you know, I haven't this year, but I play soccer in the summer. I still play soccer as an old man now, uh, in, in an old man's league. Um, and so just, um, I just, it's funny you ask because I just went over a fit. Peloton has all of these, um, you can, you can track your performance and so on. So I'm on a 52 week streak on my peloton and i've done ten thousand minutes in the last year so somebody told me i wow. could have ridden from uh calgary to halifax if i was actually on the road but you know and i and i do that i, I either i get up in the morning and i jump on or or before bed i jump on and i and i have become a netflix fiend i i watch uh, uh, whatever episode of netflix for 50 minutes while i'm on the on the peloton so that's pretty consistently where i i try and and uh relieve stress and 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 uh, be active and then i you know i i think the other things are um there's not very often i don't get my seven and a half or eight hours of sleep and i try hard to eat well and and be sort of disciplined about that with a few cheap days in there once in a while and uh i i as i understand it from mental health experts those are three elements that are really critical to maintaining your your mental health sleep eating well and and exercise sounds pretty basic but apparently that's that's fairly critical and and helps to make it work definitely i i really appreciate your answer jeff and it just goes to show how much you you appreciate holistic health right you mentioned sleep you mentioned stacking habits right like in terms of hey here's leisurely play watching and unwinding netflix and i'm gonna get on the peloton and do it at the same time and for someone as, as busy as i can imagine and as thriving as you are and in thinking of your clients and thinking of 2500 people whom you're a part of uh you know moving the needle forward with it's great to know how much you still uh, look after your own health I, I'd like to take this time now, Jeff, to conclude on the following question. Uh, it's something we ask every single one of our guests, and I'm almost going to connect it to another question, however way you'd like to answer this, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, being on the second floor, we believe that you indoctrinate all the qualities in an individual who's constantly elevating to the next level. You know, you, you talked about it earlier on where you're thinking a step ahead. You're constantly, once something gets accomplished, you want to think of the next thing. To some degree, sometimes that, that, that's healthy leadership. Why don't you share with us from your perspective, what does it take for someone to indoctrinate that level of a second floor mentality? To always feel like they're getting ready to elevate in their life, health and business. What do you believe it takes to be on the second floor? 
Well, I think it it, it, it takes a a, a, bit, a little bit of an internal drive and and um, a, a willingness to go above and beyond. If uh, if if you know if your competitor is getting up at six, you're going to get up at five. If your competitor is is doing X, you're going to do X plus one. And and just having that level of determination, I think, is sort of a second floor approach. I also think, you know, and maybe this is a bad thing, but I I I always have a sense of a healthy paranoia. <laughs> you know, when things are going great, I'm thinking, hmm, yes, things are going great. Now, what could possibly go wrong here? <laughs> risk, and, and, and risk, risk, risk management, risk management right? right? Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's the banker in me, and and then uh, and so then you know how do you how do you mitigate? How do you have contingencies? How are you thinking about that? And then and then the last one is um, how how do you continually um, do better and improve? And and you know if you've if you've you know if you've done you know ten percent, how how do you set the bar at twelve percent and and continue from there? So it's it's a little bit of a relentless. I suppose, which uh, which can get a little bit tiring at points, and so why you need that balance, and you need that you know that concern for mental wellness and and uh, activity and so on and, and personal health. But I think those are sort of the three legs of the stool that, that I think about, Kenny. That's fantastic. I. I really want to just take the time here, Jeff, to admire your, your honesty and your, your appreciation of really showcasing that you really do care about the youth of today for, for the jobs of tomorrow, as we talked about. You know, I see right through that with you being able to take, you know, time out of your day to speak with me and answer my questions that, you know, I'm sure myself and a lot of our audience members are curious about. And it, it just shows, like, even based off this conversation, like, I'm even more humbled to now, you know, wake up intrinsically motivated tomorrow to remember that I have a team to help feed and I have a team that I'm doing this together with. Not to look at myself like I'm any lower or higher than them, not for myself to keep looking at this corporate ladder I'm climbing. None of that was in your language. You know, it's all about recognizing that we're servicing a vision and a mission that is so similar to one of our own. So I, I really appreciate your time, Jeff. I, I feel like this was an amazing episode. I, I know a lot of students at McEwen University here at a, campuses across all of Canada where RBC on campuses take place are going to seek tremendous value from yourself and this episode. Kenny, it's been a pleasure talking to you and, and continued success with Second Floor. Good on you. Definitely. You got it, Jeff. Hopefully, you know what, in the future, if we could do more of these with RBC, Count us on board. We'll be there. <laughs> okay. Take care, Kenny. Okay. Sounds good. All the best, Jeff. Thank you so much for your time.